Blog Talk Radio. Grace and peace to everyone. This is Zenobia Bailey bringing you the next reading from Carol Mayhall's Words That Hurt, Words That Heal. The specific topic today is slander and gossip. Slander is usually thought of as a false statement that is made about someone with malicious intent. It is damaging to one's character or reputation and sometimes both. Gossip often is often carried out due to the plagues such as anger, jealousy, and arrogance. It betrays a confidence someone who thought another to be trustworthy finds that they were wrong and have been wrong. So we open up, Carol says, the coffee pot gave one last burp and subsided. Anne poured the hot liquid into brightly painted mugs and placed one before each of the women gathering for prayer. The conversation was lively. I just drove by Rhonda's house and it's up for sale. Yes, I know. She and her husband have separated another woman involved, I think. I've heard that too. She's really got problems. Her son was with the gang that was arrested the other night. I've been concerned about her being so strict with her kids for some time. I knew they would rebel one day. Yes, she certainly needs press. We could all think back to similar conversations we've had with people who, thinking they were gathering for prayer, were actually engaged in slander. Slander? We gasp. Yes, slander, my friends. In the Bible, the definition of slander goes beyond making false statements. In the Old Testament, the word slander was used for bad reports in general. The Hebrew word meaning to defame or to strip one of his positive reputation was used in the account of Joseph's true but bad report to his father concerning the wickedness of his brothers. The same word was used in Numbers with the account of the ten spies who brought back a negative report about the promised land. In the New Testament, 
The word for slander is comprised of two words, one meaning against and the other meaning to speak. A slanderer then is simply one who speaks against another. Wow. A slanderer then is simply one who speaks against another. I just want to take that in, let it soak in my heart. Anyone who speaks against his sister or brother judges her or him, speaks against the law and judges it. Based on the Old and New Testaments, slander is the open, intentional sharing of damaging information and is characterized by bad reports that blemish or defame a person's reputation, whether they are true or not. One reference to the law of love states, if with full knowledge of the royal law of charity and with full experience of the vexation which adverse criticism causes, he still persists in framing and expressing unfriendly opinions respecting other people, then he is setting himself up as a superior, not only to those whom he presumes to judge, but to the law itself. He is, by his conduct, condemning the law of love as a bad law, or at least as so defective, that a superior person like himself or herself may without a scruple disregard it. Those hard words, convicting words. It never occurred to me that when I was criticizing, I was in a very real sense slandering and thus setting myself above a law of God. There are times, of course, that truth, however harsh, must be shared. But some guidelines as to with whom, how, and when are imperative. So, with whom? Does a person need to know because of his involvement or his responsibility in the situation? If the answer is yes, then it may not be slander. How? Attitude is important. Are you sorry or glad to make this known? Is it painful for you to share it? Or are you needlessly making someone else look bad? Have you spoken first to the person you will be talking about? When? Only. Only when it is imperative. And of course, when in doubt, don't. Heed the warning of Apostle James. Do not slander one another. Fortunately, there is a positive side. God never leaves us without one. Our words which proceed from our thoughts are to be wholesome. Now, before we leave this list, I'd like to interject 
the fact that if someone asks us not to share, says to us that they are sharing whatever it is that they are sharing in confidence, I would not even ask these questions with whom, how, and when. It just doesn't pass the test at all because I was asked not to share it. So moving on, God wants us to think about what is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. If we, do, if we were to judge all our words, let alone our thoughts, on the basis of this list, how do you think we would come out? And remember, to God, our thoughts are words. Second Peter 3 is a treasure chest full of precious stones or principles telling how to change negative thought patterns into right thinking. The first diamond is found in verse 3. First of all, you must understand. How frequently do we pray for understanding? How much time do we give to ponder, to think about, to gain an understanding of the deep truths of Scripture? If we neglect this, we are disobeying God's command. The next precious stone in the chain is in verse 8. But do not forget, when something happens to test our faith, how quickly we forget God's work in our life, and all he has done for us in the past. We are told not to forget. A great pearl is found in verse 14. We are to make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. How lackadaisically we pursue holiness. We think it is something that should happen to us, or perhaps for us, instead of determining to go after it, to pursue it with every fiber in our being. The next glittering gem teaches that we are to be on guard. And that's found in verse 17. And the gold chain that links them all together is in verse 18. We are to grow in the grace and knowledge of our work. Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice the verbs. Understand, remember, make every effort, be on guard, and grow. All these actions are necessary if we are to think and speak what is right. If we are to be wholesome in our thinking, it is a proven psychological fact as well as a truth of scripture that we are what we think. What we think about is going to spill out in what we say. That's why our thoughts need to be wholesome so that our speech will become more pleasing to God. 
When our thoughts are not lovely, one of the results in our speech is the ugliness of gossip. Someone has defined gossip as acid indiscretion. A gossip separates close friends. The Bible tells us this, and it tells us what our response should be to a person who gossips. A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid the person who talks too much. Our accusations in thought and word are commonly directed against our own family of God. We admit that criticism and gossip are wrong, and we shouldn't do it. But how can we stop? Or when we are in the middle of a gossip session, how can we extract ourselves? A primary rule is to plan ahead. When hostessing, control the direction of conversation instead of letting it drift where it may. I am often involved in salad luncheons, which we call prayer and share luncheons, almost without exception. The hostess guides the conversations into channels that help us talk about what God is doing in our lives and about prayer requests that we have. Seldom have I come away from such a luncheon heard or said a particular thing. Another rule to keep in mind, whatever the setting, is that the absent one should be safe among those who are present. We shouldn't attack the person. Our homes are an important place where we should guard against gossip. And what if you are caught in the middle of a group that is tearing someone down? Recently, one woman who works constantly with professional women said, when I find myself in a group that is tearing someone to shreds, I smile sweetly and say, you know, I'm getting very uncomfortable about this. And when asked what the response usually was to her statement, she said, they changed the subject. What a gracious and gentle way to let a group know that we are not condemning them for gossiping, but that we don't want to continue with it either. Let's remember that. And of course, we can come up with other measures ourselves. I will repeat that thought. I'm getting very uncomfortable about this. Those are words that will help us to not only not gossip, but to protect the heart, the reputation, the character of the one or the ones who are not there to speak for themselves. So, I hope you will have a wonderful Wonderful Friday evening or morning, uh, I, whatever the time frame is where you are, and that you will enjoy the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus until we gather again. Take care.
and God bless you.